0: Hey there, my name is Linda Monaghan and it is my mission to help you grow your business, improve your life and find your calm, whatever that may be. Welcome to the Corporate to Cam podcast, where you learn from their experience. Hey everybody, you are very welcome to today's episode of Corporate to Calm. I am joined by Nicole Khalil and I am so happy to introduce Nicole go for it. Tell me all about you and tell me about your journey from corporate to calm.
1: Well, thank you first and foremost for having me. It's an honor to be here. And there's just, something about your accent already makes me feel calm. <laughs> so, um, and that was not my experience in corporate. It was the opposite of calm. <laughs> yes.
0: uh,
1: I feel like it's such a big question um, to share my journey. So I'll try to hit the high points, but of course you can ask me anything. Nothing's off limits. Um, the bulk of my professional career was spent at a Fortune 100 company here in the US, uh, in finance, which is a very male dominated field. Um, and, uh, I had a lot of success there, but it came to a point where I recognized I wasn't bringing my authentic self to the table. I was burning the candle at both ends. I was trying to um, over-rotate on all of my masculine qualities to try to fit in. And I was setting aside, ignoring, stuffing down any of the more feminine qualities. And, um, you know, I I was kind of depressed and uh, unhappy and uncomfortable in my own skin. And it began an internal journey around building confidence because I, I, in my role, a lot of people assumed I was a confident woman. I got that comment very often, but I felt like I was living a lie because how I felt on the inside did not match at all the way it looked on the outside. And so that journey led me to uh, eventually leave my a corporate role and start my own business and, you know, all the fears and risks and doubts and all the stuff that happened there, but it was absolutely the right decision for me. And, um, today, you know, I spend the bulk of my time speaking that includes hosting my own podcast as well. So I know how much goes into <laughs> it and, uh, I wrote a book and all, all that fun stuff. Um, I don't know if I'm quite at the calm part of life yet, but I'm definitely heading in that direction and
0: I'm very grateful for that. Um, I think, I think, um, yeah, it's so funny because I have this conversation with so many people and it's like corporate to calm. It was such good alliteration. (laughs) I think when we embark on our own businesses, it's like, oh my God, where, where is the calm? (laughs) Yeah. It's What's fleeting known? moments at best, at least early on, right? <laughs> it's like, okay, uh I'll pretend there's Cam, I'll pretend. But um so you left, you left how long ago did you leave corporate? Seven corporate years world? ago. Now. Seven years. Okay, so quite quite a similar timeline to um to myself. What prompted um the book? Was that something that when you were in corporate you wanted to do, or was, was this something that kind of um evolved from moving from the corporate life?
1: Yeah. So um I think there are really three primary reasons I wrote the book. The first is I al- I've always wanted to. It's a bucket list thing. I'm an avid reader. So even as a teenager, I was like, I going to write my own book. So this was just something I've always wanted to do. The second thing that really prompted the action of writing the book that took it from I've always wanted to, to me actually doing it, was a statistic I had read that said at the time, it was about two and a half years ago, that 92% of all business books are written by men. Wow. And it just like blasted my mind that everything we're learning as women, but really as people, regardless of gender, about what it means to be professional, about what it means to be successful, about what it means to be confident, we're learning from primarily the masculine lens, and I am not anti-men. I do not advocate for women at the, women at the expense of men. Mm-hmm. But it, uh, there was a balance that was missing for me that I really felt inspired to try to provide. I love that. And then the third the third reason was I'm just uh, really passionate about the topic of confidence what it is, what it isn't, how we actually build it. And as is true for so many of us, um, something that was really important to me personally, it's something that stemmed from a lot of pain, ended up becoming my life's work. It was one of those things, I I found some solutions, I found some things that worked, I I found some meaningful information for me, and then I just wanted to share it Mm -hmm. with others. So those are, I mean, there are lots of reasons, but those are probably the top three.
0: And and it's so funny because I I love that because I think as women, we put so many barriers in our own way of progressing. And it's so refreshing to hear like, you know, we, we need to help each other to take those barriers down because you are so far along your journey. I'm so far along mine, but it's like there's so many people behind and it's like, come on, come come with us rather than than waiting to, for something to happen because you're the only one that can really push you.
1: Well, and specifically in the area of confidence, we are so confused and and we're surrounded by messages and people telling us to be confident, but nobody's telling us how we actually become or, or build confidence. And if they are, they're doing it totally from the masculine lens, again, not anti-masculine. I have a lot of masculine qualities, but it's not, um, balanced. It's not the whole story. And uh, unfortunately, this over-rotation towards the masculine, as it relates to confidence, is speaking more about arrogance and ego, and in some cases, narcissism. Mm. And that's not at all what confidence is.
0: So, yeah. And I and it, as well as that, as as women, it's nearly showing courage to pretend confidence until, you you know, you really reach there. I think that's sometimes that the whole barrier as well, that sometimes you need a little bit of courage before you attain that confidence.
1: Well, absolutely. It's um, the old adage, fake it till you make it. I don't, it's semantics, but I don't love that verbiage because it's the faking it part. But I always say, choose it until you become it. Choose confidence minute by minute, day by day. Over and over until the feeling catches up. So, of course, to your point, that requires a great deal of courage to choose something that you're not currently feeling.
0: And tell me about the title because I first um, came across you on LinkedIn and the title, I just loved it so, so much. I mean, we see so much on social media where people are like, everything is for likes and for follows and for, and sometimes the authenticity goes. And I just, I loved it. It so resonated with me. So tell tell me where it came from. Yeah.
1: So validation is for parking is the title. Um so I actually did a title workshop. My publisher connected me to a woman who all she does is help authors come up with their titles. Thank oh. goodness for her, because I had no idea. And she gave me the advice. She's like the title of the book shouldn't tell you necessarily what the book is about. The title of the book should capture people's attention. So we went through a lot of things, but to make a long story short, I like the title because it ties into confidence. It gives you a hint about what the book is about. It does, you know, pique curiosity, but it also fits my personality. It's a little snarky. Um, And, you know, so for all those reasons, the subtitle is how women can beat the confidence con. And that is actually what the book is about. But yes, to your point, oh my gosh uh we've turned into rabid validation junkies yes um and it you know a lot of times it's through no fault of our own it's what we've been conditioned it's what we've been taught it's the society and culture we live in um and and it takes a lot of effort and work to uh separate yourself from that need for validation i want to be clear validation still feels good I enjoy uh, <laughs> a compliment or positive feedback. Like I'm not saying, you know, that I always say it should be icing on the confidence cake, yeah. not the cake itself.
0: Yeah. I love that. That's really like, it's so, it is profound because I think a lot of the time we don't think about it and, it, and, you know, it is just about like sometimes putting your hand in your heart and going, I'm, I'm okay with me, you know, and I'm okay with what, what I'm doing. I really don't need outside you know, knocking in and giving their opinion. You know, so it's yep. I, it, it really resonated. And um, as far as you know, let's separate validation from support. Say, and um, recently it was International Women's Day, and um, you've are, you, you've introduced the word snarky, and <laughs> I'm 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 wondering, like, have we as women, like, evolved that we can genuinely support one another without looking at what is what is in it for us or without feeling that fear and jealousy do you think that we have evolved that far or have we ways to go or I would
1: put it in the same category as equity or the wage gap it's like we've come a long way but we still have a lot of work to do um I am a huge advocate of women supporting women I think the way we talk about each other, the way we talk to each other, the comments that we make, we are literally teaching people how to think about us, how to communicate to and about us. And we're doing it badly uh, in a lot of cases. Um, I I actually did an episode on my podcast uh, pretty recently called, you know, the green eyed monster is about envy, jealousy, competition, and all of that. And um, I'm human. I, Absolutely, feel envy and jealousy at, at moments, and I certainly have women that I do not love, respect, like, or want to hang out with. But I still, in my mind, have the responsibility to, to teach people how we communicate, or or w- what we say, or what we focus on. Oh my God, we have so much work to do in in this space, and. Whether it's comparison, judgment, envy, jealousy, all of those things, I would lovingly lovingly remind all of us that those feelings tell us a lot more about us than they do about the other person. Yeah. It gives us insight into what we value, our beliefs, our perspectives, what really matters, uh, you know, but our our judgments about other people always say more about the person doing the judging than the person being judged um and I think when you come from that lens it's a little harder um to to say some of the things that are being said or do some of the things that are being done or
0: like yeah and what about um People in your circle, or maybe people that you know are peers or maybe slightly ahead of you, or is there anybody that kind of shines this light and is is a beacon for you know confidence besides yourself and um, but is mm-hmm. there anybody that you would really just think is the essence of this and support?
1: Yeah. So um, one of the mistakes I think we do as women is we have a tendency to hone in and focus on only a select few really popular, really big, really well-known women. So from that lens, I think of people like Pink or Brene Brown or, you know, there there are a lot of people, but I'm going to say some names that your listeners probably have never heard of. Yeah. Yeah. So one of my best friends, Kim Andrade is a, a, a leadership a, a coach and she is has taught me so much about what it means to be confident, to live confidently from a very young age. I've known her since elementary school right. and just being able to watch the journey to be part of that has been so inspiring to me. I think of women like Gina DeVee, who I only met myself maybe a year ago. And she has introduced, she has a top, top podcast. She's um, this incredible woman, but she's introduced me to so many people and opened so many doors and made so many things possible for me in a very non-public way, all behind the scenes. That is what I think about when I think about women supporting women. Like the, there's nothing in it for her. I keep looking for ways to thank her and to give back in some way, but- um, so, I, I, the Heather Monahan is another good example. Uh, uh, she has a podcast called "The Confidence Creator" or "Creating
0: Confidence." I think I, something I know about Heather from LinkedIn. She's, she's okay. Just so she's so amazing because it's like reply to, you know, yeah. comments and you know, so supportive.
1: Yes, she's incredible, but. Her topic. She wrote a book and has a podcast about confidence. You would think we would see each other as maybe competition, or, her, or I would see her as competition. She's further ahead than me, um, but that's not
0: the case at yeah. all. Uh, so, um, yeah, the fact, I, well, thinking... we, we, I'm, I'm like we have the same surname, myself and him. Like I'm <laughs> yeah, <bad. laughs> that's right. yeah. Uh, i yeah, I love right. that. I I love what you 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 talk about there because we do put so many women that are you know, eons ahead of us, you know, that we put these people on pedestals and we're like, oh, this is what, where it's like, why can't we aspire to be people, you know, why can't we aspire to be like our peers to the people Mm -hmm. left and right of us rather than looking so far ahead. And that's where the community is derived from as well, isn't it? A
1: hundred percent. I mean, I admire the crap out of Michelle Obama, but I don't know how to apply What's going on in her everyday life to my everyday life? The gap is so huge. That doesn't mean I can't learn from her, or I can't respect her, or I can't, you know, but I just think we do ourselves and other women a disservice when we only focus on the names that everybody knows.
0: I love that. I love that. And what about you as far as a mission statement or a mantra? Is there something that you kind of live by or, you know, this year, maybe 2023 has it has kind of um, something for you?
1: Yeah. So um, I I think mostly around my definition of confidence, confidence is when you know who you are, own who you're not, and choose to embrace all of it. And so my mission is to connect more people, women, especially Hmm. to that definition of confidence when they know themselves there's a high degree of self awareness self appreciation they also own what they're not there's a, a a acceptance of i'm not meant for everyone everything all things all the time to all people and there are certainly people and things that are not meant to, for me and that is not only okay but it should be honored And then this opportunity that we all have to embrace all of that, thereby embracing all of ourselves all of the time.
0: I love it. And as far as, you know, when you started out um, a few years ago, what were the three things that helped you to get to where you are in business today? So if we kind of bring it a little bit back to say somebody who is maybe, you know, a little bit behind you and you're kind of like encouraging them on what they might do to start a business, to, to bring themselves on.
1: Um, are you looking for more tactical things or suppose, Yeah.
0: I suppose. uh, Yeah. Leaving the the confidence aside, because obviously I think sometimes that that's what's needed to take the leap, but yeah. Yeah. Things that might've worked for you or things that you would have done differently.
1: Yeah. So like, Hard work, courage, confidence, you know, I think those things or some version of those things are required from all of us when we do something big and brave. Um, tactically, you know, I started out with a list of things I knew I wanted to do, but I also started with a list of things I knew I didn't want to do. And then there was a lot of things that are question marks in the middle, and the reason I think this is important is because at least for me, there could have been pressure. There could have been opportunities or, you know, roads I could have walked down that would have had me doing things I did not want to be doing just because I needed to make money or whatever. So for me knowing, like, I do not want to get in the recruiting space. That's what was true for me. Okay. But how many people reached out to me and were like, Hey, can you help me recruit more women? And I was like, no. <laughs> <laughs> Let me refer you to other people who do that. Which brings me to another um tactical thing. Create cross-referral relationships. Know what you do, know what you're willing to test out. But when you know people are gonna reach out to you for things that you don't wanna be doing that aren't the most effective use of your time, that you're not gonna do at an A plus level. Because if you don't do it at an A plus level, you're not gonna get A plus endorsements or feedback or referrals. And, and you end up shooting yourself in the foot, kind of this um, stay in your lane, be willing to test out some things, but don't go too far outside of it. So back to the cross referral relationships is if I am not going to play in the recruiting space, I better know three or four people who I know do good work that do. And then they need to know what I do and 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 refer me when somebody reaches out to them for something that they don't do. So creating these cross-referral relationships um, and then holding the expectation of if I send you referrals, I expect you to send me because there are a bazillion people who are out there doing what we do. Yeah. And if you're not willing to reciprocate, that's fine. I just need to build a new cross-referral relationship. Yeah. yeah. Um. And then I, I know this may seem like a random thought, but for me, getting my financial world in order made a big difference in how i started my business and and lessened the amount of fear and anxiety and doubt that was going on so that really meant reworking budgets cutting out everything that wasn't absolutely necessary right when we started having an idea of exactly what i needed to be contributing to the household to make it all work and i had a must do number I had a, you know, I think I can do this and like a a big goal. Um, and then I mapped everything out, including my pricing and, you know, how many clients I needed and what I was going to go after based on the numbers. And, um, of course I didn't hit my must do number every month. Those first few months I had a little bit of savings set aside, And so I'd pull some and make up the difference. And then I had a month where I did more than my must-do number and then I'd replenish it. It just, um, it helped it so that my personal life and my household wasn't riding the emotional roller coaster that my brand new business was.
0: And what would you say as far as kind of um, niching did, did you do that? Were you all things, we, we talked about being all things to all people, who were you identifying as clients?
1: Yeah. So early on, I worked predominantly in the financial services space. I was, uh, you know, I knew exactly who my target audience was now. I think that that's sort of grown and evolved. Um, but I think it's important. Uh, I, the, to the extent that I show up authentically, I believe I will attract the right people for me. And so while I'm clear about who my ideal client is or my target audience, I spend more energy trying to show up as my best, most authentic self because the reality is in order for me to have a successful business, I need l- less than 0.01% of the entire population to like yeah. me. And I'll be a multi-billionaire. Yeah. Um, I do not need to appeal to ninety-nine point nine percent of the world. Ninety-nine point nine percent of the world can think I I'm a complete hack and I'll still make millions upon millions of dollars if you know if that's the goal. So uh I do always have my niches and my ideal clients in mind, but one of the things that I think year over year being in business has taught me is the more closely I'm connected to who I am and how I'm wired and how I work. And the more authentically I show up, the more my people find me and the more I enjoy doing the work that I'm doing and the greater impact that I have and the more profitable I am.
0: And how do you show up for your clients? Like what is it one-to-one? Is it group work? Is it
1: yeah, great question. Um, so the bulk of my work is in speaking engagements. So whether it's virtually or in person, you know, it's one to many. Um, podcast falls in that space too. Yeah. Though I will say, for me, the podcast I, I haven't spent any energy trying to monetize or figure yeah. out how to make it profitable. To me, that's my passion project. Um, I do do individual coaching. I have done group coaching and masterminds. Um. And we'll probably find my way back to some of that, Mm -hmm. but um, in the last couple of years, it's been a lot about writing the book, which took a ton of time,
0: (laughs) which we we actually spoke about before we came on. And it's like um, a a lot of learnings from from writing the book and and how how you stretch yourself and everything like that. So
1: yeah, it was hard, (laughs) it was hard, hard, hard. I'm glad I did it, but it was. It was the prof- professional equivalent of having a child.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, that's it. It's so close to you, and you know, you're you're putting yourself out there to be be judged essentially. Even though mm-hmm. you know that's not. I mean, that shouldn't w- be what it's about. But you know, it does end up being being about that. And then I suppose promotion as well is is so tough. I'd say.
1: Yeah. Oh, that was the hardest part: the uh, publishing and promotion. I thought writing it was going to be the biggest challenge yeah. and don't get me wrong that wasn't easy but that was significantly easier than the marketing and yeah. publishing of the book.
0: Yeah, I can imagine, I can imagine. How do you stay accountable? So like what what do you have targets? Do you have goals. How do you stay accountable um you know annually, quarterly?
1: Yeah, so great question. Um the answer is Uh, a little strange. The corporate culture I came from had a hyper focus on accountability. Okay. And the word left me now with a a bad taste in my mouth. Like when people say accountable, I go, um, I personally have a high degree of ownership, especially professionally. And, um, if I say I'm going to do something, I'm very tenacious and so I'm not saying I don't require accountability if like every human does, but I prefer to put it into a, just a different category, okay. a category of ownership, being really clear that something is meaningful to me, not goals for the sake of goals. Um, but you know, what really matters is this going to get me to what I really want. Um, I have, uh, two coaches. I also have peers that I connect with on a regular basis. Um, I have my own mastermind that I'm participate in, uh, you know, so going public with goals. Those are all tactical things that I think help me be accountable. This year is the first year here in 2023. I've entered the year without a business plan, without any business goals, without any strategies, metrics, or tactics. It's very strange. I'm not suggesting that I'm going to stay in this place all year, um, but at the end of the day, a year is an arbitrary period of time and, um, anything I would have come up with coming into this year would have been to check a box or for the sake of doing it. And I couldn't do that to myself. So mm-hmm. my guess is in the next few months here, I'll come up with a few things and, you know, it might be by the end of the year, it might be in a different arbitrary period of time.
0: I love um, I, that. I love that because, um, I, I I it's funny I kind of came into 2023 n- n- not similarly but ar- around and it was like it's my pace and my serenity because I think that it you know we we do things because we think it's expected of us and you know we need to hit that next goal and we need to sell that next product and we need to and there, you know if we're paying the bills and We don't really need to do anything, you know, it's, it's it's like, we can, we can take that time out and we can, you know, check in with ourselves. And I I love that. I love that. Um, because as you say, it might be forever, but yeah,
1: no, I would certainly won't be forever. Um, and I acknowledge the privilege and I'm grateful that I can do this, that I don't, you know, have the financial pressure or like worrying about whether or not I can pay my mortgage or, put, you know, yeah. So I'm grateful that I can do this, but this is, I think my version of calm. The the uh, theme of this year for me has been ease and flow,
0: um, which is
1: by the way, the opposite of any theme of any year. I'm usually more tenacity and, you know, make it happen, but
0: I'm talking about your tenacity and, you know, as, as far as being efficient with your time, both personally and professionally, like what do you do to switch off? Do you have, you know, do you have daily habits for you that you can attribute to your success in business, but they're personal to you and it's, it's your you time.
1: Yeah, um, I do. So a few things Um, I finally have bought into, I'm the engine that, you know, my business runs on and taking care of the engine, fueling the engine, feeding the engine is of, of, utmost priority. And I do that inside of working hours. Um I think a lot of times we get the advice to do it outside of working mm-hmm. hours. And 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 I also happen to know by design I'm a low energy person. And so I have to be really mindful about okay. what gives me energy, what's depleting it, and all that. So a few examples. Um, I always have buffer periods when I end my day to when I walk out of my office. I work from home even prior to COVID, um, but that I was doing this, like finishing up my last call, running out to be with my family and my brain and my feet were in like two different places. I felt like I was doing the mental splits, right? Because I was thinking about what I hadn't finished or what I did and then it just was messy and I was st- snippy and not at my best and so now if you look at my schedule the last meeting of my day to when I walk out there's always a buffer period even if it's only 10 minutes but more often than not it's 30 minutes and I close out and then I think about who do I want to be when I walk out of this door how am I going to be present and what's the experience I'm looking to create what's the experience I'm looking for and just be mindful uh so it's not, um, so I don't default to chaos and (laughs) all of that. Um, I communicate my expectations to clients. None of my clients think I'm accessible in the evening or on the weekends. I don't respond on the evenings or the weekends. I learned the hard way. If you do even once, then all of a sudden they think you do. Um, I often have an out of office response, even when I'm not out of the office and I say something to the effect of in an effort to be as engaged and present With um, the people I'm spending time with today, I don't check my emails during the day. If this is urgent, contact my team member. If not, I'll get back to you in 48 hours. If I'm traveling for personal, like vacation, I basically say, You're not hearing from me. Okay. Um, So, like, there are things like that that just work for me to protect my time and create efficiencies. I also work out during normal working hours, I read during normal working hours. This makes me better. Yeah, more effective and more efficient. Um, and then there's, you know, the normal tactical things that you've all heard of before, like templates and delegating and, you know, hiring great people and all that stuff.
0: And so what, uh, what is, you've mentioned, you know, no goals or timelines for 2023, but have you anything in the back of your head that you're kind of thinking, Hey, I'm going to be working on that. Or is there anything, any projects in the pipeline? Um,
1: no real projects, um, uh, maintaining and growing my podcast and continuing to promote the book. That's one of the things I love about the book that I sort of forgot about during Mm -hmm. the launch period is that it is something that's evergreen. It's just out there. And, and, um, so, you know, spending time with people like you, uh, having these conversations, getting the book in the hands of more people, that's a a, a big priority, um, um, But yeah, speaking, you know, meeting new clients. I'd love to do something international. So far, all of my work has been in the US um, as far as speaking is concerned. Uh, Actually, that's not true. I've done some virtual events, but it would be nice to step foot on a a different country. Um, But yeah, I mean, I think this year is less about new and different and more about... uh, you know this sort of essentialism concept just sticking to what is the most important most impactful things and saying no to everything else
0: i love it i love it tell me something not a lot of people know about you um i think
1: the most surprising thing is that i am an extreme introvert okay um people are often shocked about that uh but yeah i'm a total homebody i always hope people will cancel or reschedule on me because (laughs) yes um, I have to work myself up to and god I'm the worst at like networking or small talk or meeting new people for the first time (laughs) I'm so socially awkward um
0: in those situations and uh, yeah that's so funny Um, (laughs) I gave a speech I gave a speech last Wednesday and there was every agent like there was 17 year old um guys in the crowd and they were you know doing this work experience from school and there was every age and we were talking we were talking about you know connecting with people and we were saying about I was saying about connecting with friends and I was like in my 40s all I want to do is all I want to have is a friend cancel (laughs) it's like it's like you know who's gonna cancel first
1: (laughs) yeah yeah I like there's like a meme going around that's like I know I said yes to dinner 2 hours ago but I was younger then and full of hope and it, like, that's totally how I feel when I say yes I know I'm going to enjoy it and I just had to get myself there but
0: yeah I know yeah. it is it is so it's like oh I am I'm, I'm always like it's not my turn to cancel please cancel it <laughs> um yeah. Nicole at Corporate Cam we're about taking a risk and you know, creating your own happiness. And you did that when you moved from your corporate role and was, you know, on this journey to to see what could happen. What would you say to somebody that, you know, whether they're in corporate or whether they're in one business and want to, you know, move to another, what would you say to them?
1: Yeah. So first and foremost, really connect with yourself. What really matters to you? what's most important and head in the direction of what really matters at all times. You, not what matters to other people, not what you think should matter, what not what people are telling you is supposed to matter. But when you are quiet and connected with yourself, what means the most? What are you most excited about? What lights you up from the inside? Chase that. And then um, the second thing I would add is a loving reminder that discomfort and fear and doubt are always part of the process. And we get the opportunity to choose the discomfort we don't know over the discomfort we do. And unfortunately, more often than not, people stay with the discomfort they know because they're so afraid of the discomfort they don't know. But let's be real. You're uncomfortable no matter what. If you are unhappy at your job or not in a healthy relationship or uh, wanting to do this thing you've always wanted to do, but not doing it, you are uncomfortable, but it's the discomfort we know. It's the discomfort we're comfortable with, with, which sounds odd. Choose the discomfort you don't know or haven't experienced yet that gets you in the direction of what really matters. And the more you can do that over and over again the faster you get where you really want to go.
0: Yeah, I love it. I love it. And Nicole, I want to circle back to one thing. Just, um, I have a coach and... You know it's it is life changing and it's business changing and it's what would you say to people who are thinking about because I have so many colleagues and you know peers who are like, "Oh I haven't you know hired a coach yet or I haven't what would you say to those people because you know sometimes they don't want to hear from people that are really close to them <laughs> sure
1: um well, first, I think anybody who's serious about anything has a coach I mean you can't find a successful a- anyone. <laughs> I mean, even like professional you know, athletes, they all have coaches. Everybody who's serious about performance, outcome, achievement, success, however you define it, has a coach. So, um, you know, you can buy into the excuses not to do it or you can buy into what really matters and what you, you want to accomplish. But, you, you know, having a coach is really, really important. Finding the right coach for you, is a, a you know, the next step, and don't just hire the first person you meet or the fir- uh, you know the one person you know in the space. Interview a few people, but have clarity what's important to you, and then you know just a loving reminder uh, that n- nobody will be everything to everyone all the time. So, like, what is it you're looking for? for example, if you wanted an accountability coach, which is a very necessary and very real thing, but I am not your girl. Like if somebody talks to me and they're like, I need a high level accountability. I'm like, okay, let me refer you to somebody else. So be clear about what you want. Um, Ask the coaches, you know, what's their area of expertise and which way do they help people the most? What are some of their success stories? Ask them that, by the way, before you tell them what you're looking for. Because if you tell a coach what you're looking for, and then all of a sudden, you know, some people, hopefully not that many, but some people will say, oh, yeah, I do that all the time. And it's like, yeah. Mm. Yeah. no, I really want to know what you're good at, where you've seen success, how you've helped people.
0: Um, I think that's a great and yes, tip. Yeah.
1: Thanks. Um, you know, budget does matter. And whatever your budget is, you know, you may want it to be a little bit of a stretch. You think of it as an investment, not an expense. There should be a return on that investment. Um, But don't be afraid. I, mean, I love when I talk to people and I'm outside their budget and I'm like, let me connect you with this person. Any coach worth their salt knows other coaches and can make that connection.
0: Love it. Is there anything else you'd like to share? I don't
1: think so. Let me think.
0: No, I mean, we've
1: had such a good conversation, covered so much. Um,
0: Thank you so much. Where can people find you, Nicole, and where can people purchase your book?
1: Yeah, so my website is NicoleKhalil.com. That's where you can find literally everything I'm up to. Um, The book is called Validation is for Parking, uh, is available on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, um, you can get it in bookstores, but I haven't found a lot of bookstores yet that are have it on their shelves. But you can always ask, and they can get it for you. Uh, because I'm a big proponent of supporting your local bookstores.
0: Love it, I love it. Nicole Khalil, thank you so much for being a guest on the Corporate Cam podcast. I really appreciate your time. My absolute pleasure. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Corporate Cam podcast. Please subscribe leave a nice review. It really does make a difference. Or simply come back and listen to us next time. My name is Linda Monaghan, inspiring you to take that leap from corporate to CAM.